Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast. I'm thrilled that you cracked us down here. I hope you're having a blessed day, wherever you may be in the universal church. Quote, I need nothing in this world in order to be happy. I only need to see Jesus in heaven, whom I now see and adore on the altar with the eyes of faith. End quote from the great St. Dominic Savio. He only lived for 14 years on this earth. And until Jacinta and Francesco, those were two of the three visionaries of Fatima in 1917. Until they became saints, he was the youngest canonized saint in the church until then. So at 14 years old, that was not a martyr. So some powerful words from St. Dominic Savio, a pupil of another great saint, St. John Bosco, and powerful words from a child who only lived up to 14 years old. But at the end of the day, he won. (laughs) Anything that matters is the crown. And that is the crown that awaits all of us in heaven, all of us that are faithful to Jesus, that are living in right relationship with Jesus and living in a state of grace, something to look forward to and something to challenge ourselves with every day, the challenge to be holy and to take as many souls with us as possible. Some amazing times we live in. And it gets even worse, it seems, from the eyes of a worldly Catholic. And I say that because I think when we depart from a life of grace, from departing from a life of the sacraments, like St. Augustine says, sin makes you dumb, sin makes you stupid, it dulls the intellect. So it's scary for people that aren't living in a state of grace. But for those who are, that's a game changer. It makes you actually a game breaker. That's the kind of grace that God wants to give us in today's world where Catholicism is openly mocked and ridiculed, criticized, and canceled. Every angle, that is the world that we live in right now. That is the the devil's playbook right there to try to cancel Catholics and all people of goodwill. The lies, oh, he's a, a liar and a murderer from the beginning, as it says in Scripture. And our young people really bear the brunt of these attacks against Catholicism. It just doesn't look very appealing in the eyes of the world. When you talk about something like even what we're seeing with the Los Angeles Dodgers, one of the most famous sports franchises in North America, and how they're treating Catholics now by honoring uh, a group of of homosexual men dressed up as nuns to mock, to mock our great sisters in Christ, particularly, well, I believe all nuns should be wearing habits of some sort, but you think of the, say the Carmelite nuns. I've talked about them before on the podcast. We have... A, a small convent in the Archdiocese of Edmonton, all they do is they dedicate their lives to prayer and to the love of Jesus Christ. And we'll only see in the next world what how much their, their prayers, how efficacious they were for us spiritually, how much they helped us along the way to salvation. So as Catholics, we shouldn't be surprised that this is happening, but it is our responsibility to stand up, understand, and to explain our faith, the beauty of our faith, what it means to have religious, especially religious sisters, what they symbolize and uh, what they represent for our church, for all of us. So let's introduce people to the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Catholic Church, and uh, being the very opposite, the exact opposite of everything of this world. If we're doing that, we're on the right track. I can assure you of that. I'm so happy here to introduce you to my nephew, Samuel Scubin, who's doing some fantastic work in the church. And he's just a young guy. He's in his early 20s. And yeah, I sound like I'm bragging about him a little bit. But hey, who doesn't have a nephew or niece that they would like to talk about, especially ones that are trying to really make a difference in the church, really giving their lives to God and uh, being a powerful witness to other people. We're going to talk about summer camp. We're going to talk about the state of young people going to university and college I hope you'll enjoy this conversation between a proud uncle and his nephew. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, Samuel Scubin is the program director of Camp St. Louis, a great camp in the Diocese of St. Paul, Alberta. And he has a passion for evangelization of all nations, and particularly young people. So he is our brother in Christ, and he's actually my nephew as well of uh, yours truly. So it's a double blessing to welcome Samuel Scubin to the <laughs> Catholic Canuck podcast. Samuel, welcome. Hey, thank you, Uncle. Uh, David, it's good to be here. 
I've known you for a long time, and I know your parents quite well because your your dad happens to be my big brother. So uh, it's a, it's a blessing. You've got a, a great family. You've got uh, including yourself. There's eight of you in the family. So yes, maybe start with us and, and tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing. You're a, a Westlock, Alberta area guy. You grew up out in the country, and yeah. uh, your faith means a lot to you. And you've been doing a lot. To, to spread the faith in your young life. So maybe just tell us about uh, those beginnings and, and your upbringing. Amen. No, thank you, David. Um, yeah, no, I grew up in, a, like you mentioned, a big family. And so, uh, and I was blessed to come from, uh, you know, just a very strong Catholic upbringing. We were homeschooled. And so growing up, a big part of my life was going to daily mass when we could, um, doing schoolwork with the siblings, working on the farm, uh, all things which I love. And I praise God for just uh, being able to be blessed in that way. Um, the intentionality that um, my parents were able to put into raising me um, really contributed a lot to the man that I am today. Um, yeah. And so growing up, uh, yeah, used to uh, just helping out on the farm. We had cattle at a point when I was younger and, uh, you know, uh, all that type of stuff just I, I love the farm just being out in nature i mean today dad doesn't do as much farming but i still as an adult and you know in my life i love to i love to get out back to to visit mom and dad and to um you know spend time in nature which i think really really derived from growing up growing up in the country there um, living in the city now as a student <laughs> is very different than uh than living on the farm and telling people in university i i don't tell them i I, you know, first day at university because I'm a freshman. First day at university, I, I walked into the uni with with my crap kickers and my you know my flannel, and they they see me right. <laughs> of course, I stick out like a sore thumb, <laughs> and uh, I, I told them though. I said, you know, they're like, oh, so you actually grew up on a farm farm? I said, yeah, yeah, like up by Westlock, and they're like. Of course, because I don't know where that is. <laughs> so I said, "Yeah, no, up by the farm." And yeah, it was it was actually a challenge for me to adjust to the city, um, you know. And and a lot of people were like, "Oh, actually," I said, "No, actually, really, um, you know, to be able to step out onto your deck to pray each morning, um, you know, just mm. in the complete silence of the of nature, and just to, to go for a walk or things like that. Those are all huge blessings in ways that I was, you know, really graced by God growing up." And, uh, and yeah, I, I love to this day. And so, yeah, that's a bit about how I grew up. I have to chuckle about your story about people not knowing where Westlock is. The yeah, town is about, you know, 5,000 people. Of course, where, <laughs> where you grew up is very close to where I grew up. So we're, you know, about 15 minutes from town. But most people, if you're from rural Alberta, know where Westlock is. But when I went to college, and you, it was the same thing. When I went there, it's like Westlock, like you may as well have told them you were from Antarctica. Like it's like, what are you talking about? Where is this place? It's like that's only like forty five minutes north of town here, north of the city. Oh, it's true. But that was the first time, Samuel. It was an eye opener for me. There were some kids from the city that had never been outside the city. They said the only time they'd ever been outside the city was to go to the airport to fly somewhere, <laughs> to go on vacation, or maybe visit some you know, family in another country. That was it, and I, I was it was shocking for sure. Oh man, I liked what you said about the country life, and and um, that is so. The silence is something that's so important, and I think that's why a lot of people from the city or that live in a bigger metro area, why camping is such a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. They'll oh. buy a trailer, or maybe they'll just buy a tent or something, but they they crave to go out on the weekend just to find just a little bit of. I don't know if it's even quiet because everybody, when they're camping, they're so close to each other, but they want to find just a little bit of refuge from the noise of the world. And Mm. I think the Lord, and and even look through the lives of the saints, how much contemplation, taking a prayer to another level, it sure helps when you have an area of quiet, doesn't it? No, absolutely. Something that I notice about living in the country too, thinking about it now is, and probably why people love going out camping so much. And I enjoy camping and fishing and all that stuff too. But, um, you know, going out in nature, it's distraction free. You know, not just the silence, you know, that's kind of a big part of it. You know, being in the city for me is really loud, but it was loud in a lot of different ways. Um, For me, it was even just hard to study um, just because, you know, you've got billboards all over the place and people, you know, hustling about. And, you know, um, if, if you are someone who is living out their Catholic faith, it can, um, you know, in an intentional way, um, asking the Lord, you know, each day to be able to be his vessel, to see as he sees, 
is very hard, at least for me, I found it hard as well, just to, to be in university, to see so many students going, you know, out and about their own ways, um, knowing the deep longing that each one of them and each human being has to be loved um, and seeing all the ways that it's being distorted. Um, you know, we see that in, you know, for me going to school for the very first time, uh, being homeschooled, that was also, you know, a bit of a shocker too. Um, but even in university life, there are so many outlets that uh, fellow brothers and sisters my age just go to to fill that longing and you know you can't help but walk the streets and you know and uh, and see all this and so it's very a lot of distraction there for sure um, and so there's fruit that can be drawn from it um, but definitely distracting society without jesus christ is a real scary place to be isn't it and we're <laughs> seeing that more and more society culture uh, as we separate ourselves from God, from from Catholicism, from Christendom, you know, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, as we f- go further and further away, it gets to be more of a dystopia. And all we have to do is, you know, walk on the streets of a, of a large city, you know, even some smaller towns, even which is which is scary in itself. You know, you even here in Alberta, you think of towns as you know a small country farming mm. town of some sort, you know, a simple life, a quieter life. But uh, we're starting to see a lot of, um, I guess, the, the, the fruits, if you can call them, and they're not very good fruits, of this secular age really catching up to a lot of people, even in smaller communities as well. Mm. Now, you're going to university, and things have changed a lot. I don't want to sound like I'm really old, but <laughs> I'm older than you. When I went to university and college, there were certainly a lot of vices that you could get involved in very quickly if that's what you chose to do or if you started hanging out with the wrong crowd. Um so yeah, nothing has changed there, but it, it seems like things have kind of amping up quite a bit. It's it must be really difficult to be uh, a Catholic, to be a, a Christian, a believer of Jesus Christ, and being in a secular world like a, a modern university now. Which is funny because universities were invented by the Catholic Church, uh, which is a, an inconvenient truth for many in in this world. But uh, yeah, generally, what is it like to be a, a university student like yourself, really trying to live your life in a state of grace, trying to live with God? And walking in right relationship with him, but walking with a lot of people that have no relationship at all with Christ. What's that been like for you? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I would say that going into university now, um, believe it or not, is different in a big sense uh, from just what I know that um, going into university, uh, being extroverted, I'm usually the type of guy who walks into a room and I'm usually, I just, I love chatting with people. And I love being with people. Um, and so going into university, I didn't know anybody. Um, and so uh, heading in, a big shock to me was the amount of people that I met over um, over the year that actually, you know, even in their second year had met maybe five, six people that actually they were able to talk to. Um, what I noticed uh, in university is kind of a disconnect between people even. Um, most people are usually either studying, which of course, I mean, <laughs> that's quite a vital part of university life, but, um, you know, even in regards to partying, there's, of course, there's a party life that I would say is still, is still prevalent in university, right? Kind of just, uh, chasing the pleasures of the world, right? Um, on the weekend after, you know, you get stuff done. Um, there still is that, but, uh, even more so, uh, there was just such a loneliness, um, in the place. So I go to Grant McEwen. And so Grant McEwen is downtown Edmonton. And so uh, its location, of course, it's a little bit more squished. It's still a big university, though. Um, and so I was just shocked at the amount of people that I came to meet throughout the semester and throughout the year that, uh, yeah, they just were experiencing a kind of like, oh, what do you want from me as you're trying to get to know them? And you're like, I'm just I'm just trying to make friends, you know, and I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not interested in any kind of affair, any kind of, you know, any kind of profit. I just, yeah, just willing to get to know you and talk to you and just be just a good fellow classmate, right? Just be a brother. Um, and uh, I could tell you, uncle, the amount of people um, that I did get to know, um, a lot of them are suffering wounds of this loneliness of this, you know, uh, of this absence, I would say of love. Um, and they've been they've been suffering those wounds from for quite a long time. Um, and it's you know, it would make my heart ache. And so being a Catholic guy in, at Grant McEwen, unfortunately, there is no Catholic kind of group or organization at the school. Um, and so I found that, uh, you know, I guess one way that um, I've just really been able to uh, thank God um, in the ways that he does work through me in a specific way. 
um, that I've just seen him work in the past is through just encounter, um, especially with people my age. Um, because, yeah, I'm not afraid really of getting to know people. And I, I actually do um, love getting to know people. And um, and uh, I found that, you know, nearing the end of the school year, I was just, I felt so drained, um, you know. And it was because, of course, a person can give, give. And I was so blessed to be able to see all of these, um, these fellow brothers and sisters come to understanding, uh, you know, what, what they're actually made for. Because I think a big um kind of epidemic that's just sweeping uh especially my generation is the focus on the self um and kind of the empty promises that come with that okay what do you feel um what makes you happy specifically um you know and who do you think you are uh, and we see that you know in a lot of different ways unfortunately especially in university um and since it's so prevalent in university i think that's why all the students are so you know, they're so disconnected even just from one another and from what they actually truly desire. So they settle for less. Um, and so for me, that was really, really, um, it was it was a beautiful experience to be able to journey with them. I, I was really, uh, by the grace of God, so many of them actually, uh, you know, ended up coming to church with me near the end of the semester. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so many amazing, beautiful uh, things and just processes that God brought some of my, you know, uh, what I call, I call them friends now, right, at university, um, you know, and, uh, uh, but yeah, no, it was hard um, because, you know, community, Catholic community is such an important thing. Um, you know, I don't think any person <laughs> to live out the Catholic faith in the world we live in today with the world's offering people, I don't mm. think it's possible, you know, mm. and uh, like within a couple of months of being in uni, it was hard. I thought, oh, I got to find this, you know, thankfully, I am a part of a, uh, you know, a Catholic household of guys. And we're all striving towards towards holiness and becoming more, more and more like uh, more and more like Christ in everything that we do, and say and uh, and what we pursue and we encourage each other. So that was a huge, huge stronghold for me uh, last year. Um, but still, it was tough going in and out of classrooms with uh, a very you know a lot of classrooms, very one sided uh, ideologies and perspectives. Um, it's hard. Yeah, I could only imagine. I think that's important what you just talked about with with living with uh, with some some guys, and having that uh, that fraternity, that fraternal connection with other men, especially young men, and of course for for young ladies it's beneficial as well. But uh, since it's just the two of us guys talking right now, I know <laughs> for myself that means means a lot. Even just having one mm -hmm. or two other uh, faithful Catholics that you can rely on, because it does feel like you're you're kind of going into the lion's den a little bit when you go to some of these institutions and and it does drain you a little bit especially when you feel like you're kind of on guard all the time you want to live out your catholic faith but you know it's like being a foreigner and not even knowing the language mm. uh, and trying to trying to fit in as best you can but knowing that, that no matter what you can do when you're a baptized especially a catholic in a secular environment whether that's a work environment or an educational institution you just can't fit in and the more you overthink it, the more you think, I got it. There's got to be ways that I can kind of try to try to fit in. That's when you start to capitulate to the culture. You actually start to turn into, you start to go to the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. So I think the first step is to really to realize, hey, you're never going to fit in if you're going to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You just won't. Um, but you can you can stand out and be that light that these people need. They may not recognize right away, but they do definitely do need it. And that's from scripture as well, right? So, but yeah, tell us about that fraternity with other men and how that's been help, helping you out in your journey. Yeah, no, for sure. I would say that, uh, you know, um, to kind of give just our listeners a bit of a viewpoint on what is the importance of community? What are some of the fruits that can come from it? And, you know, why did, uh, because God did make us for, for uh, you know, he made us communal persons. And uh, he made us for community and for, for, for oneness with other people. Um, you know, some of that was experienced in the garden, you know, between Adam and Eve. Um, but I would say as well, there's a type of unity between, you know, brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters. There's a, a camaraderie. Um, you know, that is necessary. And so some of the fruits that I was able to experience um, even before my time uh, with the men, why I chose to be a part of uh, a Catholic men's household and why I thought it was just a really important uh, thing, even though, you know, I never lived away from home at that point, um, was uh, my experience at a school called St. Therese Institute. 
uh, up in Bruno, Saskatchewan. And so I spent a year of studies there and their faith formation program there is just, it, it is, it's, it's something else. It, it really came from a very, you know, Catholic family, super blessed growing up, um, you know, and I went and my life was changed. It, it was just, mm. it's just amazing the type of depth that they have in formation as well as just, um, not just intellectual formation, but personal formation too. I mean, just getting to know yourself. And a huge thing there is learning about community um, and learning, you know, okay, what, how do we uh, be communal people with our brothers and sisters? And a big part of that is, okay, how can we uh, be a gift of self to others? Um, and so a lot of fruits that I gained from, uh, from that school is a big thing they encourage is uh, called building a culture of affirmation. And, um, you know, that's something that it's, it is essential to being human, you know, um, mm -hmm. you look at even just, uh, just so many statistics, right, where people go through life without being affirmed, either by their fathers, their mothers, their, you yeah. know, uh, if they don't have some type of affirmation, some type of, because um, what does affirmation do? What it does, it, it affirms a person in their goodness, um, and in who they are and who you know they are made to be who they truly are and so that has been one of the biggest fruits being in the men's household is you know even just being seen by them being listened to um discussing you know the faith sharing that uh, experience of where we're all at as young men in a very <clears throat> in a very secular world um you know all of those things just build up uh, not just character but it helps us to um it helps us to accept ourselves as well. Um, you know, one of the harshest, uh, or not harshest, but one of the hardest things I ever heard was uh, from a priest. And he told me a confession the one time. He said, Sam, you know, the biggest battle that you're going to face in life is accepting your humanity. And I was like, oh, crap, why did you go to tell me that, right? Because, but what I, what I realized is, you know, in our humanity, sure, we're, we have weakness. We have, um, you know, the effects of just original sin, right? We struggle. Um, but our essence, we are made good. And that is why it is one of the hardest things to accept, though, is to accept that that we are made perfectly and we are wonderfully made um, in God's image. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, yeah, that's a battle, but it's able, um, we're able to more easily accept that, Um through others affirming us in that identity, especially as brothers. For brothers to affirm you in that um, is really something a lot deeper as well um, because they relate directly um, to what you experience as a man, especially trying to live out the faith, um, you know, in the ways that, that God calls us to. I want to go back to you taking a year of formation after you're done high school. I think that that's important too. Even for myself, I... By the time I went to to college, I think I was twenty one already. Um, okay. By the time you get to a certain age, and they, you know, you look back now, I've been in the the work world for many years, and you don't really think about, well, what would have happened if I would have started when I was eighteen versus twenty one. But I took a year of formation that was similar to you, but a little bit different because it was an evangelization team for a year. But uh, I, I think that's so important to for kids not to rush out of high school and just get right into a secular university or or even like a, a college program uh, taking a trade of some sort um, unless they're doing it with maybe some family members or something like that but mm. how important is it I think for just to recognize for parents <clears throat> to that uh, to challenge kids to make the faith their own I think having a year or two of discernment or even just maybe living around home maybe working, but still having the, the foundation of, of having your family, the domestic church, and uh, but, but taking a step further and looking for other uh, men and women that are around your age to reach out to them, to have those acquaintanceships, those friendships with them and, uh, and building your faith that way. How important is that for, for young people, especially nowadays, the way this, you know, we've turned towards secularism? Yeah, oh, I would say... <clears throat> Uh, David, it's so, so important. Um, I have experienced in my life, um, you know, <laughs> there's the saying, you become who you hang out with. Um, yeah. And I think the the deeper reality and the deeper truth that kind of underlies that statement is that, you know, the people around you show a lot of who you are, um, mm -hmm. you know. And so what I found kind of going, jumping back to that brotherhood that I was able to be a part of over, over the school year, um, you know, they were able to show me deeper of who I was, 
um, you know, and the reality of myself. Um, and I found that a lot, especially in high school, um, playing sports, um, you know, being hanging out with a lot of friends that weren't Catholic. Um, what they were reflecting to me, of course, was it, it was good. Um, you know, they whether it was like, oh, acknowledging, you know, say Sam's talents or, oh, you're a good hockey player or, oh, you're, you're good at this. Right. Um, there's a type of affirmation there, but in a way, it's almost a, it's almost an attempt, but almost like a, oh, what's kind of the way to put this? But um, I don't want to say a failed attempt, um, but it's almost like they're they're making their shot to affirm you, but they kind of miss because what they're affirming you in is, uh, uh, you know, ties a lot into the way the world the world is presenting uh, what people right. should be like today. Um, or what you should take your identity from, um, you know. So I guess as an example, with that affirmation, oh, you're a good hockey player. Um, yeah, that's that's a good trait you have, but you you yourself are not the good hockey player, <laughs> you know. That if you take your identity in those things, uh, you know, and what starts to happen is you start to cling to those things, and as soon as you lose them, once you lose them, these these very superficial, uh, you know, things that of course are good in our lives. As soon as we start to lose them, we start to fall apart because we start to base a lot of our life upon upon these things. Um, and so, uh, uh, and so, going going to Saint Teresa School, um, you know, I had all these questions about the faith, um, questions about myself, uh, and I just wanted to understand myself better. And you know what what my calling was in in regards to just being human. You know, I wasn't so much interested in, oh, what's my vocation, uh, you know, which kind of shows a huge shift, I think, from even just past generations. We're so far from from our aim, from our, our target towards God that a lot of us are even just wondering, what does it mean to be human? You know, what does it mean to interact with others? And so going to St. Therese, it really was um, uh, a really pivotal moment in my life because one of the first things um, – <laughs> they, you know, uh, they challenge you, and uh, the director challenges them. As uh, the first week, he said, "You know, why are you all here?" And all of us, of course, Saint Therese. Just to give our listeners some context, it's uh, it's a school, uh, yeah, to uh, nurture faith, um, but it's also to uh, it does that through making a solid decision of, okay, is this the faith you're going to choose to live out that you've grown up in? Um, you know, for a lot of people. And some people do go there, um, you know, not growing up in the faith, right, of course, but they can still go there to make that decision. At the very end of the school year, a beautiful thing that happens is um, the bishop actually um, uh, commissions all of the students. Uh, and so it's a kind of an older tradition, but you get commissioned out into the world after that. Um, and by the bishop and he blesses you know he, he gives you this special uh you know uh commissional blessing before you go into the world choosing to live out the faith and so the first week they have the questions they posed they said okay you've grown up in the faith or whichever path that you've walked you know whether you've grown up in the faith or not they said now you're an adult you have to make this an adult decision this has to be your decision and by the end of the school year you're either going to choose it or you're not there's no lukewarm there's no room for lukewarm Catholics anymore. You know, they said the world we live in today, right? They said the challenge that Christ has, what he's promising, uh, what he's posing, what he's presenting to humanity, what he presented when he came to earth, you know, and died for us on the cross and rose again. What he's presenting is something with so, so much depth. There's no possibility to live in that lukewarmness anymore, especially, you know, as an adult. They said it, it uh, you know, if you choose to live Christ, uh, or if you choose to live for Christ, um, it is a a life uh, life altering decision. And they said we're hopefully going to be able to give you the tools to make that decision. Um, and so it's powerful. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm stepping into. Um, but uh, you know, but through that whole experience, you're able to be uh, uh, to be with a very tight knit community. There's usually 60 students at the school. Um, and a huge focus is on uh, the document Gaudium et Spes, uh, Pope, uh, I believe Paul VI uh, wrote that uh, document. And uh, it's all about how um, how the church is going to uh, be a vessel to just a greater hu greater humanity. You know, um, it talks a lot about what it means to be human. And so um, it uh, a big theme of it is 
how man comes to know who he is through being a gift of self to others, um, which is very contradictory to the culture we live in today. Um, and that's focused on throughout the whole school year. And so throughout the whole school year, you know, there's uh, the relationships are very much focused on, okay, how can I be a brother to all the sisters in the community? How can I be a brother to the brothers here? Um, and so in a way it's loving them in a very, uh, learning to love all the people in the community in a very chaste way. Um, and so I believe it was John Paul II that put chastity. He said, chastity is the, um, oh goodness, I forget the definition now um, or how he put it, but he said, uh, chastity, a lot of people always, uh, always come to, to like, oh, it's chastity. It just means like, you know, not having sex before marriage and, you know, all yeah. of these, uh, try to be chaste and, you know, and, stay away from lust and all this stuff, right? Um, right. But uh, he defined it as uh, chastity is, oh, that's what he said. Chastity is being, uh, giving of yourself in like a very disinterested way. Um, giving of yourself with like no limitations. It's an imitation of, you know, the love that God has for us. Um, it's being a disinter disinterested gift of self. Um, yeah, and so throughout the whole school year, you know, by the end of the year, you come to such close bonds with the other students that at the end of the school year, they say, you know, after six months, they tell you at six months after the school year is done, they say, just take some time before you make big life decisions or you start jumping into relationships or things. Because it, it actually, the transition from being in a community like that, where you're all focused on um, being a gift of self to the other, um, building a culture of affirmation, kind of how I pinpointed earlier, um, and pursuing Christ uh, in a, on a very personal level um, and learning more about the faith um, packed with all of these other just amazing things they have in their program. Um, by the end of it, the, the six months after I was kind of like, Oh, you know, I'll be fine. I'm going to go change the world. I've been commissioned. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. but leaving, I tell you, <laughs> Oh, one of the most painful times of my life. Sure. <laughs> Cause, sure. Cause you, you're leaving, you're leaving a bit of a, a bubble, right? Like it's, no, it's, it's not true. it's not easy right when you're leaving that yeah and, that, and living in and being in, immersed in that sort of a culture and then coming into a culture that we have today is very difficult right oh goodness yeah that's not easy i like you know when i think of, of chastity and chastity is well we hear from um our our world about abstinence and you know and even even sometimes you hear in schools you know abstinence is is encouraged and taught and it's like, well, abstinence is just like white knuckling something, you know, and that, that could, ha that can do with, with, with sex that could have to do with food that can do a lot of different things. Right. Mm. But when you think about something like chastity, the virtue of purity, these are, this is a way of life. This mm. is a way of living a sacramental life mm. and walking in a right relationship with Christ. This is really truly being set apart from the world in whatever state in life you are. So this is, you know, just because you get married doesn't mean you stop being chased. You're chased in your married life, just mm. in a different way. You're chased as, as a young person that's still discerning what are the next step, what, what are the next steps, whether you're entering religious life or you're going to be married, like most people are called to the vocation of, of marriage. Um, but it's, uh, it really is a way of life, isn't it, Purity? And I, I wanted to, to just really touch base on the lukewarmness. There's no room for lukewarmness. I think this ties into, into chastity as well. Like it's, you have to be all in. And I was just looking at some quotes here from some of the saints, cause you brought up, uh, St. John Paul II, who was my only Pope I knew until I was in my mid twenties. It was, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was a, it was a wild time when he passed away. I thought he would never die, but there was a, a, a great quote from, it was from Pope St. Pius V, and he says, all the evils of the world are due to lukewarm Catholics. Mm -hmm. And there's another one from Pope St. Pius X, kind of the same thing. He says, all the strength of Satan's reign is due to the easygoing weakness of Catholics. Mm -hmm. And then the last one here that I, that I was reading, and I thought it was really interesting, was uh, St. Bernadette. Uh, so she looks like she was a French nun. It's not the St. Bernadette of Lourdes, but a different St. Bernadette. But I guess there was a, an army that was coming around the convent. There was a war of some sort. And somebody asked if, if she was afraid of, of this army. And she said, no, I only fear bad Catholics. <laughs> and she said, do you fear anything else outside of that? And she's like, nope, nothing. 
So I think that goes to show that, you know, when we're, because we are called, God has made a covenant with Catholics. And sometimes you tell that to Catholics, what are you talking about? Yeah, God made a covenant with us. We are his chosen people. So we are called to be set apart from everyone else. And in order to do that, you know, and as our Lord said in scripture, he said, you know, if you are neither hot nor cold, if you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a pretty jarring visual when you think about that, right? So, <laughs> yeah, the gravity. So now, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Camp St. Louis. So this is a, a little apostolate. I shouldn't say little. I don't know why I call it little. Little as in not as much time because you're going to school full time. But <laughs> in the summer, it consumes a lot of your time. Yeah. But this is neat because you've taken this on the last couple of years. But it's also a way to reach out to some of our younger brothers and sisters in the church that are still in high school, junior high. These are formative years as well. They're starting to make those decisions on their own to follow Jesus. So tell us a little bit about Camp St. Louis and uh, what you're up to with that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So I got pulled into the directorship uh, about uh, about two years actually now. Um, And so last summer was the first summer that I got to direct. And um, yeah, ever since... Getting into Camp St. Louis, I mean, even even all, I could go on and on, David, about all the different, uh, so many stories around how I got tied into Camp St. Louis. I had never heard of the camp. You know, it is kind of, it, you're, you're right, it's a little bit more hidden. Um, you know, uh, it's a smaller camp. We usually have about 60 people in the community, including the counselors and campers each week. Um, and it's actually capped at 60 campers. And so the reason being um, a huge focus of Camp St. Louis and, you know, it's a kind of a shared mission since its origins in 1988 by uh, Father Bizonette, uh, who started the camp. Um, but uh, it's uh, there's there's a type of a type of theme that is becoming very, very evident. And it became more evident in my years as a counselor I'm in high school um, than into my directorship last year. Uh, was when really going into it, uh, you know, I had only been to camp two years before. And uh, like I said, so many funny, funny stories. One of them is uh, <laughs> so Bishop Paul Terrio, he, uh, he, w- he approached me and asked me if I'd like to take the position. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, like I've been to the camp for two years. Right. <laughs> and so I said, I don't really know the heart of the camp. But, you know, uh, anyways, after discernment and just some some ways and just signs that God was really pushing me towards taking this role, um, you know, throughout just preparing for the summer, I said, OK, Lord, you need to show me you need to show me where this camp is at. It hadn't run in a couple of years because of COVID. Um, you know, so there's lost attraction there um, and then a lost attraction of, you know, of kind of the mission, because as soon as you lose a bunch of people and once they're older, you know, a lot of the mission and identity of an organization, it starts to shift a little bit um, and mm. a loss of identity can happen, right? Especially in a camp setting, um, you know, and so you know, I said, Lord, you got to show me, you got to show me, you know, the patient of Camp St. Louis, I need to know, I need to know its pulse, you know, in order to attend to its needs. Um, mm. And it came to me through a quote uh, by Fred Rogers. And uh, so he is the one who had that TV show. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood there. And uh, amazing show. And I had only, you know, been following him the last couple of years, but there's this quote and he said, uh, it is only when a child is in a place where they are seen, acknowledged, and loved, where growth can happen. Without these things, growth is impossible. And he goes on further to state, he says, if an adult is not in a place even where these basic essential needs are met, enabled to, in order to be human, it's, you know, they can't actually, they're missing the tools in order to thrive in life. Um, and we see this so, so much in our culture, of course, but my experience is at the camp, really started to come together i said oh my goodness that's really what i experienced you know as a counselor i was able to come to a place where and that's one of the reasons why it is smaller right they cap it at 60 Mm -hmm. campers reason being so that everyone all the campers and attendants can come to a place to really get to know each other and to to be seen you know it's harder for Mm -hmm. that to happen when you have 100 you know 300 uh, different campers and so that's what i experienced to hide (laughs) yeah that too exactly (laughs) i know it and so uh well actually funny story when i first went to camp I was actually really shy. I don't know if you remember, mm. but when I was younger, I was really shy. I, I did not like people. I still remember going to different family events and, 
things like that. And I'd be hiding behind my dad's leg, you know, <laughs> spread out his pants and I'd just be hiding behind his <laughs> leg. And I didn't like being around people. And uh, going to camp actually was one of the first times where I actually started to, I really felt like I was able to meet people and to be myself and to interact, mm. um, you know, in that way. Um, and yeah, and I'm the man who I am today, people. <laughs> These people, my parents say, you know, when Sam was a kid, he was really quiet, you know, and I tried to get him to interact with the kids, but he always wanted to just play with mom or dad, right? And now they say, we can't get him to shut up. <laughs> you know, and I just, it's, it's crazy, you know, the type of fruit. But, uh, you know, of course, that's a, kind of an exaggeration. But there was a lot of fruit that I gained from being at camp where, you know, uh, even just being a counselor, um, you know, I was invited to come out to council. Um, that's the intentionality that they had around the camp. They had never met me before. And, right. you know, they they reached out and said, hey, we would love for you to counsel. We think you have something to give. And I felt so seen in that moment. I said, okay, maybe maybe I should go to this camp. And so being the director now, um, that's a huge, uh, you know, emphasis on community. Um, is something that I'm just going to continue to, you know, uh, with God's help, be able to enforce into the camp. And last year, Oh, my goodness. You know, after two years of COVID, uh, brand new director in the system, all of our staff were new except for two of them out of the eight, um, all inexperienced in, in the camp, you know, kind of way. All of the counselors had never counseled before. It was a very fresh start. And I was blessed just to see the way that, you know, once we give ourselves over to God, we offer himself, we offer ourselves as, as a vessel um, and, you know, sometimes as a living sacrifice with him on the cross some you know in some hard ways right there were a lot of hard times over the summer a lot of a lot of struggle but so so much fruit so many campers so many uh you know so many of them come to the camp and by the end of the week they're just they're a changed person and so many parents you know were able to express that gratitude and we felt we felt so so graced that way because um you know, especially for me as a director to hear these things, to hear parents, um, you know, calling uh, my cell phone in the middle of a week just to talk about, um, you know, the fruit that they're seeing in their kid is it was immense. Yeah. And so uh, the whole mission of the camp uh, really is about uh, bringing kind of the the kind of pinpointed theme that I gave all the staff last year was, you know, uh, the mission of Camp St. Louis, I told them like it's it's very simple. And it will be hard throughout the summer because you will start to see all of these other ways that we can give to these campers, but we actually can't through the form of Camp St. Louis. And so I told them, but we can do one thing very, very well. It's a very simple, simple mission. What we can do is solely just focus on encountering the campers through the eyes of Christ and through seeing them, through acknowledging them, through affirming them, building that culture of affirmation. Um, and it is through them experiencing an authentic Catholic slash Christian community that they're going to be able to encounter Christ. I said, we can try to do that through talks. Amazing. That's great. We can do that through the sacraments. Oh, the sacraments. Oh my goodness. Amazing. So beautiful. Right. Um, a lot of these campers, some of them are not even Catholic that are coming. A lot of them are coming with all this baggage, all this, you know, um, just a lot of brokenness, a lot of, you know, we're living in a fatherless generation, so much absence of just, you know, of that and, and all of these different things. And they're able to come to this place where, where they are seen and they are loved and just the structure of the whole week. I could go on and on <laughs> Uncle, about how, how amazing. Well, I wanted to ask, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what are you seeing from kids nowadays? Cause you're getting a, a pretty wide range of ages, right? I mean, not, you know, I mean, it's not like little, little children, but yeah, maybe tell us the the range of ages that you get, and what kind of what kind of fruits are you seeing that are good from kids nowadays, and what are some things that maybe they're struggling with that they're coming to camp, and you know some of these burdens that they need to to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, the campers range all the way from uh, seven years old up to fourteen years of age, and then we have our uh, fifty to seventeen year olds. They just serve a role as a counselor, and so they actually volunteer a lot of their summer. Uh, for free to come and be what I instruct them during the counselor week or kind of explain to them as being the older brothers and sisters to um, to these campers that I come to camp. And so this, excuse me, this year, um, this year we actually are having 
uh, day camp as well. And so during one of the weeks, we're taking campers from age of five to seven as well. Um, so that's a good idea. Yeah. I wouldn't want to deal with them for a whole week. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, no way. One day is good. <laughs> <laughs> no one can imagine. Yeah, as a, as a dad, you probably like, oh, but you want to take care yes. of them. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we're taking that kind of week on this week as uh, this year as well. Um, and so that'll be, uh, you know, a different, different challenges, but also different opportunity to encounter them as well. Um, and so we'll see what their needs are and get to see a bit more of that. Um, but yeah, with my experience as a director, um, of course, when, when you're kind of at the helm of an organization or a group, you usually get to see a bird's eye view of a lot of things. And so, uh, what, uh, a lot of kids, uh, um, you know, express, uh, throughout the week is, um, you know, like by the end of the week, they don't really want to leave the camp. And, you know, of <laughs> course, fun, yeah. yeah, of course, a lot of it is, yeah, they're having, they're having a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, a lot of kids that, that do come to camp, uh, especially even in the past when I was a counselor, a lot of them come from, you know, a lot of brokenness, a lot of broken mm-hmm. homes. And so really, I think a lot of the biggest needs that they have coming to the camp is actually just to just to be accepted for who they are and affirmed. Um, I think right. that's I think that's the biggest uh, the biggest thing that they come with, and um, of course, especially over the last year, um, there were a lot of things that did come up where uh, a lot of the team were like, "Oh, but like I really wish we could you know journey with this camper in this way." Um, you know, they're experiencing you know a bit of um, maybe like a lack of identity and um, who they are as mm-hmm. a daughter or son of God. Um, and, but throughout the summer, <laughs> we get one week with the campers. And so, yeah. you know, it was, of course, it's actually, it's quite the, quite the burden to carry, uh, when you see all these needs, you see these things that, um, all these ways that these campers are lacking, you know, I mean, they're lacking, um, a lot of just essential things in life, like authentic friendships. Um, you know, a lot of them actually having a faith life, right? Some of these kids that come to camp. Um, you know, they come from maybe lukewarm uh, Catholic families, right, who uh, don't go to church that often, right? Um, and, uh, you know, there are many, many other things, but uh, kind of the biggest, the biggest wound, um, which, of course, we all share to a degree, just as a human family, is, uh, is that, that uh, original kind of solitude that Adam and Eve had in the garden, and then we're separated from. And of course, we are still are united to Christ in a sense, right? Um, through the Eucharist, uh, through His presence, through the Holy Spirit. Um, but that deeper unity, where uh, we are fully united with God in heaven, in which we were made for in the beginning, um, there still is that ache. We know we're made for something more, and so mm. it's amazing to see how many kids nowadays recognize that ache. It's amazing. I, I experienced that as a, you know, as in high school, that's when I first started questioning, okay, like, I don't know if I'm made for all of these, you know, so many things of this world are not satisfying me. Um, and I started to realize the importance of friendships, you know, of prayer. Um, we had a kid last year who, you know, um, we prayed the rosary maybe once. And after his mom called him, was like, yeah, Sam, we just really want to appreciate it. I don't know what you did around the rosary at camp, but, you know, what you taught, if there was a talk or something, but is it my kid just, like, has this uh, has this desire and uh, this kind of almost new habit of praying the rosary each day for all oh, of these intentions. Beautiful. And so it was amazing. I, I was That's just, powerful. I was, fell back in my chair because I thought, what? You know, like, yeah. we, we prayed the rosary once that week, you know? Um, but still that, that reached out and she was saying, you know, he's praying for, for all of his, uh, you know, all of these different things, which I would say are like, uh, in a way, like childish worries, you know, oh, like I pray that my, you know, she said, she's praying for us, like his parents, he's praying for his siblings, he's praying, he's praying for, uh, you know, his grandparents who are like this, he's, he's praying for all of these amazing things. I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, this kid is nine, nine years old. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. and he he's recognizing the importance of prayer. He's using prayer as the tool that it was meant to be used for, uh, you know, to strengthen us in our faith um, and to be able to, you know, to uh, uh, like we go to prayer. We go to our Heavenly Father uh, for this support and for this, uh, um, you know, for this, uh, um, 
um, uh, we go to our Heavenly Father in prayer uh, to experience that reassurance uh, to to further our trust in 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 His hands and what He has in store for. Uh, uh, we go to the Father in prayer to ex- uh, to in a way to strengthen uh, our trust in Him and in His graciousness and in His goodness in uh, in our lives. And so, uh, you know, that was something in university students would ask me. They'd be like, so what do you do when you're stressed out? What do you do with, you know, when you feel lonely? And I told them, I said, do you want a serious answer or a funny answer, right? I usually ask them first. I give them a bit of a heads up, right? Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of them, they're like, no, you know, like they, you know, they're like, I want, no, like a serious answer. Like, what do you do? Like, why are you, why are you so joyful all the time? And I just told them, I said, well, you know what? Like, I, I believe there is a God and I believe that, you know, God, I see him as a father and that he that he has a deep, deep love for me and that everything he has in store for me is in goodness. And I can go to him in prayer and I can speak these things to him. And I can, you know, and through that, through that, that uh, relationship with God, the father and, and being honest with him, knowing that he knows me as a son and he loves me as a son, I'm able to actually go about my day-to-day life dropping these things. And, you know, this is on a university student level amidst all of the troubles of the world and these different pleasures and just the, you know, the things that try to attract us, you know. Um, but but at camp, there's so many kids that are asking, you know, they're already, kids are on this level of, okay, there, you know, there must be something more, you know. Um, and and so that's probably the biggest need that that I noticed last year. And so... I encouraged the team. I said, focus on this target. I said, this is this is the main mission of this vessel of Camp St. Louis um, that God is entrusting us to give, and He will work. He will work through this this mission um, to fill this need. Yeah, and, and and having that mentorship is huge. I I was blessed as as you know, your grandpa was my dad, and of course I had your dad, which is my brother, and then your uncle, which is my other brother. So I've <laughs> So for our listeners, I'm sure that was really confusing, but my dad <laughs> and I had two brothers that were real faithful Catholics that I always had uh, just in my own family available to, to speak with and to uh, observe their example, which is which is massive. And in addition to that, I did have the the opportunity to go to youth conferences and, and other things to enrich my faith when I was young. And there were other Catholics that were young, but maybe, you know, three, five, six years older than me, that when they were sharing their faith or when they were praying or they just provided such a great example for me as well to to reaffirm me in my faith. And I think what, you, what you're doing, Samuel, is fantastic for these kids and for also the, the counselors. And really to, to give them the tools, and as St. Augustine says, and we've said this on the podcast several times, is that sin darkens our intellect. So when we start going to receive the sacraments more often, it makes a big difference. I'm sure you've noticed that too. If you go to daily mass versus going once a week, which is which is great if you go once a week, but if you start going a little bit more often, you'll see your life changes a lot. It doesn't take very much. And if you go to confession once every couple of weeks versus once a year, your life changes radically as mm. well. It's very quick. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think for, for children to get into those habits, those holy habits of prayer, the sacramental life, and being exposed to sacramentals like holy water and, mm-hmm. and the rosary, wearing a scapular or a miraculous medal, uh, these are all things that, that really help. And we've kind of lost a lot of these things, right? So uh, I'm just so glad to, to hear what you're doing. And it's, uh, it's a blessing. And uh, it's great to call you my nephew too. Oh. Not only just my brother in Christ, you're my nephew. So I'm very proud of you. Before we go, because the time is flying, we're gonna we'll be in touch, and I'm sure we'll we'll chat again. Maybe we'll bring you on and and talk again about uh, more items because there's a lot of things I wanted to talk to you about, but we just run out of time. If people want to donate or send their kids to camp, this is in Saint Paul, the diocese of Saint Paul, Alberta, the uh, the biggest town I guess that's closest to this camp, which is on a lake, but it's out by Bonneville, Alberta. So I guess if you're in Alberta, there'd be some information you could pass along. But if not, there's probably ways that Others can help you with a donation. So maybe tell us about that before we go. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, Camp St. Louis, uh, like David said, is just actually 10 minutes uh, west of Bonneville. And it's just along Moose Lake. Um, and so that's kind of just the general area where it's at. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so each week, um, like I mentioned before, we receive about 60 campers. 
Um, and uh, over the last few years since my directorship, um, a lot of challenges got posed to the camp in regards to its finances as well. Um, and so some decisions had to be made. And one of the decisions that was made was um, bringing the registration cost up just to cover costs. Um, unfortunately, there were just a lot of costs associated with COVID, but as well as, um, you know, there was a church burning, unfortunately, in the Diocese of St. Paul. And since the camp falls under diocesan property, um, you know, the insurance spiked. It was really unfortunate. And so, yeah, and so it was really sad because I said, it's a kid's camp, right? We run during the summer. Um, but unfortunately, it, it spiked a lot. And I thought, oh, my goodness, like, this is my first year directing. I said, Lord, help me <laughs> make a decision here. Um, and so something that we did was we, um, uh, you know, we knew we said, OK, we, we have to raise the cost, but it's going to make it really difficult for families to be able to go to camp. Um, and so there is a subsidy fund um, that a lot of families are able to be blessed uh, uh, from over the year. Um, and this year we're seeing the same thing. Uh, we just came, me and a few of my team, we just went on a two week uh, campaign across the diocese. We went up Fort McMurray to Mournville, Bonneville, uh, kind of all across the diocese visiting schools. And the biggest uh, concern that parents bring is, you know, so I get so many phone calls from parents, especially single mothers, um, you know, and, and fathers uh, asking, uh, for financial assistance because, you know, they really, really want to send their kid to camp and they want their kid just to experience camp. You know, it's such a special place. And of course, camp, <laughs> kind of what we were talking, right? It's right in nature. It's away from all the distractions of the world. And it's in a place where, I mean, even at camp, there's it's an electronic free zone too. Um, so it's so much easier for people just to interact with each other and focus on getting to know one another and building up that community, um, you know, which brings about all of those fruits as mentioned. Um, and so of course, but with the subsidy fund, we only have so much in it. And so we definitely are not able, we would not be able to run the way we do without generous, uh, you know, donors who are willing to, you know, even just give, you know, their coffee for the month um, towards sending kids to camp. If you do feel called to give in this way, right on our website, campstlouis.ca. We've got all about the camp there. We have a promotional video, photos from last year, um, the director's message, things like that. Um, we also have a Canada's Helps little portal where you can either give a monthly donation or one-time donation. Um, and what I love about it is you can actually choose what you want to give to. Um, so you can give towards the maintenance of a specific building. You can give towards equipment we're looking for um, going into this year. You can give to the subsidy. Um, and so if you feel called to that, that's there. Um, of course, Camp St. Louis is one of the vessels of the many uh, that need that financial assistance in the church. Uh, but if you feel called to it, that's kind of the information there, what we do and uh, yeah, how to how to give in that way. Fantastic. And if you're in Canada, there's a, a tax receipt that can be provided as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And you know what? I always like to remind Catholics, give to Catholic charities and organizations. The world takes care of itself. But in the Catholic Church, we're, we're running out of uh, resources. And it's the love of money that's, uh, that's the root of all evil. But money itself can be used as a very powerful tool to advance the gospel message. And mm. that's why it's so important that we donate to our brothers and sisters like Samuel and Camp St. Louis and, and so many other great organizations. Let's keep our money in-house, please, everyone. Samuel, thanks for your time, man. I love you uh, as a brother in Christ and as my nephew. And again, I'm very proud of what you're doing. And let's stay in touch, my brother. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Uncle, for having me. I uh, love you lots, too. It's been, uh, you mentioned being blessed by, you know, my dad and my uncle. Um, I've been blessed to have such amazing uncles and aunties within my own family on, uh, you know, on the scoop side. And so, and you're one of those uh, uncles that I look up to a lot. And, uh, you know, I learned so much from even just, uh, you know, throughout uh, this, the year growing up and uh, in my adult life now. And so thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to next time. I think we could use a lot more camps like Camp St. Louis in this world. And I, I do hope you parents listening, give your kids a chance to go for a week to a good Catholic camp where they can learn about the love that Jesus Christ has for them, but also to learn from their peers, to see the example of other young people, to help them give them that foundation of faith in their life and to help them make ultimately that big decision as a young person to really make the faith their own. It's so important now. And uh, let's continue to pray for Samuel 
and for Camp St. Louis and all the great Catholic camps out there that are uh, doing such a great job of bringing our young people closer to Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Catholic Connect podcast. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and we're all on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please subscribe and drop us a review if you could and drop me a line anytime. I love hearing from you. What a fantastic universal church we belong to. A blessing. Uh, Something that I think about often throughout the day that we have so many people doing such great work in the church to try to bring more souls to Jesus Christ, also to strive in their own personal holiness. That is the most important thing. We're going to change this world. I know we can, and I know we will, because that is what God wants us to do, is to bring this world back to him, back to the kingship of Jesus Christ. What an exciting mission that we have as Catholics. And I'm so excited to call you my brothers and sisters in Christ. So keep praying for me. I'm praying for you. And remember that we've got to live life in a state of grace. That means going to confession often, at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. I'll chat with you very soon.